Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and joining us this morning is Ms. Stephanie Hughes from the Hughes Family Tribute Center. And Stephanie's here to talk to us about family burial and cremation services. And the reason we wanted to have you on, Stephanie, by the way, thank you for joining us, is because of some crazy things that were happening in Colorado recently. Can you kind of catch people up on what happened in Colorado? And then we can talk about some of the wonderful things that you guys do and how people won't, how they can avoid getting caught up in crazy situations. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I wanted to, to talk to people because I want to give them good education. Sure. <clears throat> um, in Colorado, um, a funeral home got into financial trouble mm-hmm. um, is what it appears. And they were taking on families, um, but they didn't own their own crematory. And the crematories that they were using, they were using two or three in the area, had um, told them they would not cremate for them anymore. Mm-hmm. So... Um, they just kept the bodies at the at the funeral home and they gave what appears to be concrete back to the families instead of cremated remains which is just oh my goodness heartbreaking mm-hmm. um colorado is a little different because it doesn't have regulations like texas does mm-hmm. um i'm not a big regulatory type person but sometimes it's needed and i think in this industry it is needed um But a lot of families are finding out that what they received back was obviously not their loved one. And their loved one is not in good condition and still at the funeral home. Um, So the government there is now trying to take that over, make sure they get everyone taken care of. But it's obviously a horrible situation. Just very just terrible. And and again, I don't know if you know all of the details because I don't. But how were they able to find out that this was going on? Do you, do you remember how they found out the, you know? A couple of families thought there were red flags mm-hmm. and alerted um, the police. Um, and that's how it, I think it all like started unraveling. They also, unfortunately, the neighbors were complaining because of the, the odor. Okay. So yep. it was a combination of those two things. Are you talking they, about they at the funeral, the funeral home? Yeah. At the funeral home, yes. Because yeah. it was it it was not just a few weeks; it was months and months and months. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's just heartbreaking. So it's yeah, heartbreaking. You said there's regulations here in Texas, but not yes. necessarily in every other state. Can you talk about some of the regulations that you know um, 
Well, we have, have we have a funeral to. commission. Mm-hmm. Um, our our crematory is licensed. Um, they do inspections. Um, they inspect our funeral home. Um, there's a place to go and say, wait a minute, this is not right, and the funeral commission will investigate it. So I mean, there's there's safety nets. Mm-hmm. So and that's in this industry, I think it's needed. It's very much needed. In fact, you know, this. I don't know if you had a chance to see this. There is a really good movie that's out on Netflix starring Jamie Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones. It's called The Burial. I don't know if you had a chance. To, have you had a chance to see that yet? Oh, yeah. We watched it. It's it's funny, but it's also enlightening, and it's also in it, it, it's uplifting as well. And for those who don't know, Tommy Lee Jones' family has a, a funeral service. They They have done this for years and years and years. And he wanted to, you know, make sure that his family, his state and his family and his, his, his kids and everybody, you know, that's, that's their business. And they, they hit some hard times and they wound up trying to do a deal with a national funeral service. It was, it was a guy who was basically just was buying them up for just the money. And he was like a billionaire and, and he was just trying to rip off everybody. And Jamie, Jamie Foxx played the attorney. And this is based on a true story. This is all in Mississippi. And the the flamboyant attorney, he was able to convince the jury to award everything to Tommy Lee Jones and his family, you know, the the funeral parlor or the funeral services. And it it basically broke that international or national funeral company. So I— it was, inter- it was international, and it did. It took them under. They had to go bankrupt. Yeah, they were Canadian, as a matter of fact. They yes. went bankrupt. And again, it's a, it's yeah. a great movie. But I was wondering, from your perspective, from being in the in your you, you guys have your own family business as well. That's one of the other things I want to ask you about. What did you think about that film? And I know you know they, they say this in the film. This is not a documentary. It, it's a film, but it, they also tell you that they had to take you know some license with it to make things kind of add up and be entertaining. But what are your thoughts of it based on the fact that you're actually in the business? You know, there's there's people in the business for the money, and there's people in the business because. It's their calling. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I laugh and say, God, God has a sense of humor because I'm a lawyer and I got married to a funeral director. And he he said he saves he saved me, um, <laughs> but he, he brought me into the funeral home. And right. I love my job. Mm-hmm. My 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 job is to love on people on the worst day of their lives. Um, but unfortunately, there are people out there that are it's just all about the bottom line. So when you saw this, had you had heard that story before? Oh yes, yes, absolutely. And again, um, that was that was a movie where it, it's based on a, a true story, and it was like the family wins. It, it wasn't like the the international, you know, business, the corporate thing took over. I mean, they lost. No, they lost. The Mississippi. They said that the the, the folklore in the funeral industry is that you know they get they went in with their high powered New York lawyers. And little Mississippi, mm-hmm. they thought they were just going to run all over little Mississippi town. And little Mississippi town said, nope. <laughs> yeah, nope. And they got somebody, like I said, the, the Jamie Lee, Jamie Foxx, you know, the actor, played the, the flamboyant lawyer who never had done, like, those type cases before. He was always doing um, different cases like, you know, uh, uh, car injuries and things like that. Yeah. But his style worked great with the jury because and, and, it, was, it was about being empathetic. It was about... The little guy and John and Tommy Lee Jones family, they were the little guys. Yeah. 
And a lot of times, I mean, we're family owned, we're small mm-hmm. and, you know, we have corporates all around us. We feel like the little guy. Yeah. Because um, we don't get the big discounts because we don't buy as much. So they get a lot more discounts on merchandise and stuff like that, caskets than we mm-hmm. do. Um, and sometimes it, you definitely feel like the little guy. Right. So, but we have we have the other side of it. We have the the love and compassion side that you can't have in a big corporate funeral home. So exactly, I think it makes up for it. Exactly. So when you want to tell people in Texas, you know, because there are rules and regulations, what to watch out for when you're in the situation where you've lost a loved one, and you're you're trying to take care of them and have a, a send off that everybody could be proud of. Yeah, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And when you get in that situation, a lot of times it's not something you're expecting. Um, so it's it's it, it's it's a hard place. And a lot of my family is like, I don't know. I'm not usually the scatterbrain. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm like, well, I do. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. I, I'm here to fill in the pieces and, and make sure it gets done right. Um, it's a hard time. Uh, pre-planning helps because then you have that. A lot of a lot of those decisions already made. Mm-hmm. Um but first of all, you got to pick a funeral home. So, um, are you going to go corporate? Are you going to go family owned? If you're going to do cremation, that's huge decision mm-hmm. of which crematory you're going to use, um, tied to that funeral home. So does that funeral home have their own crematory or are they using some third party? Um, we had the third crematory in Dallas, the Hughes family. So mm-hmm. we've had crematory forever. But for a short time, I didn't have a crematory and had to go to a third party. And quite frankly, I was aghast. Um, when we did it, we kept the loved one here in our funeral home. And when we had the permits and everything and the services were done, we called and scheduled a time and we went and we were there for cremation. Um, and we saw the disc with the number on it, which we can talk about later, that identified that person through the process of cremation and t- through to the urn. Mm-hmm. And we expected that the cremator remains back the next day. A lot of funeral homes just, like, if, especially if they weren't doing services, they had a third party pick that loved one up, take that per- person to a third party crematory. When they were ready for cremation, they said, hey, cremate Mrs. So-and-so. How do you know? I couldn't sleep at night. Right. There's no way I could do that. Right. Um, I also didn't think refrigeration was adequate. So I I think that's important to ask. Where is the crematory? Now, if it's a third-party crematory, it's not as good as obviously having it your own. Mm-hmm. But then you need to ask more questions if they're using a third-party crematory. How are they vetted? Right. Where's my loved one going to be kept until cremation? Mm-hmm. How's my loved one going to be identified um, through the whole process? Um, it's really important. I'm a big, big advocate of being there for cremation. Do you have to be? Absolutely not. But if that crematory says, oh, no, we don't do that, or discourages you, big red flag. Yeah, you need to ask questions. You need to follow yeah. up. You need to. But if they're not going to let you be there for cremation that's a huge red flag because if the people in colorado said they wanted to be there for cremation this wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. we're talking with stephanie hughes at the hughes family tribute center you know a lot of people when they use cremation 
they may have military uh, family members who are cremated. Is that what you know? I only bring that up because I know that some of them may be, you know, forever in a wall or some kind of memorial at a at a military, you know, gravesite. Could you talk about that particular yeah. side of cremation? DFW has a beautiful national cemetery. It's mm-hmm. gorgeous. Yes. Um, it overlooks the so lake. Do, yeah, it's beautiful. You can do ground burial there um, of a casket. You can also do ground burial of the cremated remains, or you can go into a niche in a columbarium, which is above ground. Mm-hmm. My personal preference is the columbarium. I think it's much prettier. Um, some people want to be buried because I think they're going to get the beautiful upright markers that are so perfectly aligned. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, with cremated remains, you get a flat marker. Mm-hmm. So I, I prefer the columbarium myself, but it's personal choice. Um, you get, it's for the, the um, service lady or gentleman plus their spouse and any dependent children um, also have a, have a free space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a it's something that the veteran earned, right? And they deserve. Right. And Dallas has done really that. It's it's well kept up. It really um, is it's beautiful. I've been out there a couple of times. My my father in law. That's where that's where he is. Um, Stephanie, can you talk about how, as you mentioned, you you want to be able to be in position to make sure nothing bad or nothing unusual happens to your loved one. When you, when you have to go through this process, there's a lot of people who are just either in shock because maybe it was an accident that caused their loved one to pass away as opposed to old age or a lingering illness. Can you, can you talk about the different types of people that you have to comfort at those times and, and you know, yeah. the different ways you, you, you might want to uh, talk to them about this situation? Yeah. In, in Texas, there are crime victim funds to pay for a victim of crime. Mm-hmm. Um, it pays $6,500 of a burial or cremation. So we we accept those funds as payment. Some funeral homes don't, and I understand that. it's It takes forever to get paid. It's not really a great business decision, but we accept them because mm-hmm. that's just our heart. And those families are in shock. Yeah. Um, suicide families, they're in shock. People who had a car wreck and were supposed to be home that night they're just in shock. Um, we are we are Dallas's only life celebration funeral home. Mm-hmm. So when you walk into one of our funerals, we're telling that loved one's story. So you're going to see all sorts of different things about different parts of their lives. Before we did life celebrations and they walked into this immersion of the happy times, they would come to a funeral and they would sit through sit through it. They'd come back the next day. They just, they kind of went through the motions of a funeral, Mm -hmm. but they really never got out of their shock. So I don't know that it was all that healing, but when they come into a life celebration where they see, oh my gosh, he loved that, you know, you know, the Cowboys or the Rangers are up, you know, Mm -hmm. displayed everywhere. Mm -hmm. It, It invokes all those happy memories. And instead of just sitting in the pew and just kind of going through the motions, they start talking and they start saying, oh, do you remember the time we were in San Antonio and this and that? And it's just it's just much more healing. Yes. You're, you so talk about the, the good times or the, the great memories as opposed to, you know, how it ended. Yeah. I think this immersion of their life story and all the good times is healthy and happy. 
healthy and um, healing for all my families. But when you look at the suicides, the crime victims, mm -hmm. the car accidents, it's huge how much more healing it is for that family. Mm -hmm. um, we also see a lot of times families, oh, just don't do anything for me. And they're trying to be helpful to their family because they don't want to be a burden. They don't want them to go have to do much, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but they don't understand that that service is where healing begins. Right. And it helps if um, you can kind of share some things with your family so they can be try to feel like they did something for you that you would like. It's kind of like, you know, how you have a family member says, well, I don't really care for gifts and I don't, I'm, I'm happy with whatever Christmas present you get me. It's like you're the hardest one to get something for. Exactly. Exactly. Um, in some respects, we have gone away from like viewings, mm -hmm. but every grief counselor will tell you it's incredibly healing to say goodbye to your loved one. Yeah. Especially once they've been to the funeral home, if it's done well, um, because what I tell people, it's not Hollywood. Um, you just don't die. You're usually very pretty. And a lot of people have a visual that's not very pretty. So they come here, we get them dressed, casketed, you know, some cosmetics if necessary. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm hearing all the time, oh, she hadn't looked that good in years. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's or, so or she looks so, or, or she looks so peaceful. She seems she yeah. says she looks like she's asleep. It's almost like yeah. a, a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I had this sweet lady. She says, "I don't want to see mother." I said, "Well, you don't have to." Mm -hmm. And she said it about twelve times. But we went ahead and bombed because it was gonna. Her sister was out of the country or something. It was gonna be a while. She called the next day. And she said, "My mom wants to see her sister. My my sister, my aunt wants to see her sister." And I said, "Okay, come on in." I said, "She looks good." She goes, "She does." I said, yeah, she looks very peaceful. Come on in. Mm -hmm. So she comes in the funeral home still saying, I don't want to see my mother. And she walked right in to see her mother. <laughs> and as soon as she got in the door, she busted out in tears. And she said, thank you. She said, you gave me my mom back to say goodbye to. Yeah. She hasn't looked like that in a long time. Because she looked like illness. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that she's to this day, I mean, I've talked to her several times. She said, you know, that just meant so much to me. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know it would be like that. That's so again, a, people don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And like, again, every family has different things going on. Every, every individual, you know, you wind up talking with, there's a way they want to either do things or they, they have no idea. And I'm sure you've got all kinds of stories. Um, are, is there a story about someone who had a, a family member or a friend who wanted to be buried and they wanted to put a whole bunch of things in the casket. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine. Oh, yeah. I had a family walk in. They're like, we're going to put stuff in the casket. Is that weird? I said, that's not weird at all. They're like, oh, we want it to be weird. <laughs> they want to be completely <laughs> different. <laughs> so then they pull out what they're putting in the casket. And they're putting his hammer and his duct tape. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> all sorts of things. And I'm like, okay, that's his a little weird, guys. And they're like, yeah. oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, he but he wanted that way because that's why he was always working, and that was the way he enjoyed himself when he was working. <laughs> yes, yes. But duct tape that was that was that was one I hadn't seen before. Wow. We it's, also do all sorts of crazy things. Sure, because um, we, we've had a car in the funeral home. It barely got in the door, but we did get get it in. We had a, a Z car. Wow. In the back of my chapel, um, we had a little boy who was about ten. He'd mm -hmm. lost his mom. 
And I said, so, you know, what they like to do together. And I found out they, they did water balloon fights. <laughs> so I have this giant um, ice bucket. And we put about 100, 150 balloons in it, water balloons in it. I put it out on a table with other games that they like to play together. Mm-hmm. And a little note that he and her used to have water balloon fights. And so at visitation, about halfway through, the sister-in-law came over to me and she goes, he's getting a little stressed. Can he have one or two of your water balloons? I said, sweetie, those are his water balloons. He can do whatever he wants with them outside. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of them grabbed water balloons and went out in my chap- my parking lot and had a water balloon fight with that kid. Yeah. You know what? And then they came back in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about closure. It's individual things, you know, for families, but it's all about closure. It's like, again, you know, everybody knows like in New Orleans, they have those traditional uh, it's going away, you know, and it's like music and dancing. And, and again, everybody grieves in different ways, but it's all about finding the closure, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't do anything, it, it takes so much longer to heal yeah. if you ever do. The interesting thing is um, there's, there's, there's um, brain chemistry mm-hmm. that how important it is. You've got to kind of get through the different lobes to get to the part that's healing. Right. And part of that is doing a funeral to get to you to the healing. If you will notice, and sad as this is, a lot of the mass shootings, mm-hmm. you can look at the, we, that's, that's what we do. We always look at the facts. And so many times it's unresolved grief. It doesn't have to be a death. It could be loss of a job, loss of a spouse. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it is death that they've never dealt with. And that's how it manifests. One of the first horrible shootings that I remember is the one in um, in the Amish country where the gentleman went into the schoolhouse. Yeah. He left a note for his wife and it was the fact that he never got over the loss of a child. Now, I don't know how that gets you to that, but mm-hmm. it sometimes does. Mm-hmm. And it was a child that, that was premature and lived very, very short time. Probably never had a funeral even though it was very important. Mm -hmm. The wife begged him to get help, um, and he never did. And that's what it ended up manifesting itself to. Right. Um, The one in Florida Unresolved grief. The one in Vegas was a death. I mean, it's important important to families to have healing. Mm -hmm. It's important to our society to have healings. You can also watch Hoarders. And on the show, at some point in that program, Every time it's going to say, well, everything was fine until. Mm -hmm. And then there was some event, death, loss of a job, loss of a spouse, something that triggered them. Mm -hmm. And they started hoarding Mm -hmm. because they didn't get the closure, the good start to healing that they needed. It's so important. It's, It's so important. Again, we're talking with Stephanie Hughes of the Hughes Family Tribute Center that people get the closure that they are able to get some sort of healing, you know, and it's not necessarily just pure sadness. Like you said, it it can be uplifting and people, and again, at some of the funeral services, there's always someone with a story that's funny and it just breaks everybody up. And, you know, it just, it, it makes people feel, Oh yeah, that was Jim. Jim was, what a character. And then, you know, it, it, and it leads somebody else to come up and make a speech. So, yeah, a lot of times, um, after a rosary, for instance, mm-hmm. um, 
we'll, we'll, we'll facilitate a time of sharing. We'll let people fill out five questions about your loved one. That is beautiful. Those are beautiful memories for the family. But then we'll get up and we'll start. We'll do some icebreakers. Mm-hmm. Like what'd you call him? Okay, if you could call, if you, if you could describe him with one word, what would it be? And we use those as icebreakers. And then mm-hmm. we try to get some people to come up and tell stories. And that's what's, that's, that's what's healing. Yeah. Um, a, lot, a lot of people don't want a funeral because they don't want a church service. Right. It doesn't have to be a church service. Mm-hmm. It could be a celebrate service. Yeah. Where we talk, where it's all, faith, all about your loved one. Yeah, celebration of life. With with some real, with religion in it or without, it doesn't uh-huh. matter. Mm-hmm. It's about your loved one at this point. You, um, you mentioned the water balloons, and that's yeah. you know that for the kids it was is that's that's great. I'm just grinning when you were telling that story, and you're you're talking about how people would like to have certain things with them sometimes. You know, the, the Texas Rangers just won the World Series, and I'm sure you've had situations where people love their Cowboys or they love their Rangers or they love their Texas Longhorns or whoever it may be. Can you talk about some of those stories where you had to make sure that they had their lucky this or their team that? Oh, yeah. We do sports teams all the time. We have buckets of, of, of props. Mm-hmm. When we do a live celebration, um, what I say is, okay, take a box. Walk around your house. Anything that says dad, put it in. Yep. Bring it to me. And then I supplement with my own stuff. So I have a big Texas stadium, cowboy stadium mm-hmm. um, display. Right. And then we have jerseys, but I'd rather have their jersey. I'll use my jersey if I need to. Mm-hmm. But um, but if they have their own, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had one gentleman. Oh, my gosh. It was such a great life celebration. We had so many great stuff. Uh, we actually did um, scratch-off tickets for him because he always got a scratch-off ticket every day. And when you scratch it off, it was <laughs> themes of his life. Oh, my goodness. But I'm looking at the life celebration, and it's good. I mean, we've got lots of stuff, and it's all there. I'm like, you know what? His sense of humor is not here. His family loved the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. He was just cantankerous, so he hated them just because they loved him. <laughs> but, yeah. So I Everybody's told my got somebody like that in their family. <laughs> yeah. So I tell my daughter-in-law, I said, we got to bring that here. I said, Get me a cowboy star, red circle around it with a slash. We had it framed and up in five minutes. We did all these fantastic stuff, including painting hand, you know, scratch off tickets. Sure. And that was their favorite part was the, the joke. Right. It brought his sense of humor. Into yes, the that was him. That was him. It was him. Yeah. That's was amazing. Great. That is amazing. And again, that's that's part of what you do, because you want people to have that closure and you want you want to empathize with them. You want them. I, this people have. This was what I'm enjoying about this conversation is is actually letting people know what it's like, and 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 it's actually helping them get to the place where they can send their loved one off and feel some closure. And it can, like you said, it can be all kinds of ways. It doesn't just have to be the saddest day ever. Yeah, and people don't know that they can do it in a way where you can have laughter mm-hmm. because laugh really laughter through tears yeah. is your most healing emotion. Yeah. Do you ever have, it's beautiful. I, it, it really is. Do you ever have um, services where, you know, there's a, I mentioned music, but what about videos? Um, you know, sometimes they'll have montages and things, but you know, things like that to just take everybody full circle. Oh, yeah. We have video walls, so our, we can make our walls anything we want. Okay. Um, we put a whole casino in one. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done butterflies. We've done all sorts of things. But it's, it's also, it's all, again, about bringing up memories. 
Right. Um, and pictures of your loved one when they're smiling and happy with, you know, their grandbabies sure. or, sure. you know, the love of their life. It's, it's, it helps. Have you, uh, a have lot you, of people go ahead. just don't see that they can do it in a, in a, in a joyful way. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had margaritas. Yeah. I had a lady. Yeah. It was I can an imagine. Older lady, yeah. And I asked the family, I said, what was she passionate about? They go, really? I'm like, yeah. Margaritas. I said, well, I have a margarita machine. They're like, there really? you go. I said, but I don't have my liquor license. I cannot put tequila in that. <laughs> you can. Yeah. I cannot. Right. They, they brought their own tequila and they were a little worried that the families might think it's irreverent. But I walked into the back of the chapel and this gentleman, older gentleman had a margarita. And I said, so you ever had a margarita at funeral before? He goes, no, this is fantastic. And you know what? That made that more special because it was unique. Oh, the daughters, it was, that was about five months ago. Mm -hmm. And I talked to daughter just a few weeks ago and she said, people are still talking about mom's funeral. Yeah. Like, Great. The the homecoming is what you make it. And, and that's what it's all about. The closure. I mean, this is an excellent conversation because again, People, they don't know. Sometimes people prepare, if, you know, if there's an illness in the family, or if there's an elderly person in the family or the, the matriarch or the patriarch. But, you know, sometimes it's out of the blue. But you've you got to just kind of know you want to celebrate that person's life. And that allows everyone to have some sort of closure. Yes. In one of the Hoarders ex, um, episodes, mm -hmm. it was a neighbor who, lo who lost a, ch a child in the neighborhood he started hoarding because of that child. Wow. It's like you said, there's it, it impacts people impact more than just one person. Right. You just, their family. Exactly. You just never know. You just never know the influence or the impact, you know, someone that you actually cared about. They're, 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 they're passing away. The profound impact it could have. And again, Stephanie, you've been doing this. How long? And you, you mentioned your, your husband was a funeral director uh, and the family's been doing this for how long? Since the 40s. Wow. I swear this, my this, grandparents. this is like that Jamie Foxx, Tommy Lee Jones movie. I mean, it's yeah, like the family. Absolutely. Yeah. The family built our location in the in 70s, in the early 70s. Mm -hmm. um, and then we just remodeled it. And when we remodeled it, um, we, we went to all the architects that were funeral home. And we kept saying, no, that's not what we want. No, that's not what. No, it looks like a funeral home. Mm -hmm. um, finally, we went outside of the industry. And now we have natural lighting and people walk in. It's like, it doesn't look like a funeral home. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. I'm like, well, that was because it's it's bright and it's cheery. Sure. Um, doesn't mean you can't have tears here. Absolutely, tears right. are healthy. You have all the have emotions. God gave you tear ducts to have, to shed those tears, but it, you also Absolutely. made you just laugh and smile as well. And people exactly. have everything in their lives. You know, life is not boring. Life is not sad all the time. There's highs and there's lows, and and again, that's why we're glad you're around to let people share that person's life with the people who are still around. I love what I do. I'm I'm very blessed to be able to do what we get to do. Well, Stephanie, and thank- our sons, our sons in the business. So, oh, it's, good. It's going into good hands. So we're real excited about that. Excellent. Is there and any- his wife? That is great. Again, you've got to be able to handle it. You be, you got to be able to sympathize with people, empathize, and also allow them to release. And I think you're you're really good at this. I'm so glad you joined us. Is there is there anything else you wanted to? Tell people before we let you go, because I think this has just been an outstanding conversation. Um, I am into education. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, even if you're at another funeral home and you have questions or something doesn't seem right, pick up the phone, call me. I'd be happy to talk to anybody. I'm into education. I want to help families, whether they're with me or not. Is there a website or an email address? Um, it's HughesFTC.com. stands for Family Tribute Center. Mm-hmm. HughesFTC.com. Um, and I'm Stephanie at HughesFTC.com. And Stephanie spelled the normal way. Excellent. Stephanie, thank you for, for being with us. We appreciate you. I enjoyed it. You take care. Thank you for helping educate our families. And joining us right now is Rob Cahill, co-founder of 4DWN, a skate park in South Dallas. Four Down. Skate Park mm-hmm. in South Dallas that has evolved into a unique service-driven community hub distributing thousands of pounds of food each week to kids and families. And first of all, Rob, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm happy to be here with you, legend. <laughs> I would say this. That's mm. that's a code for OG. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, Rob. Rob, I'm so glad to have you on because, first of all, you're not the typical skater dude, and what you and Mike have done and Mike's your partner. Is it Mike Crum? Right. Mike, Mike Crum. Le- I mean, he's the legend. legend. Yeah, absolutely. First generation X Games guy and just a tremendous skateboarder turned pro. Dallas guy turned pro in his teens and, and brought it back home for the for the locals after, you know, going all around the world. In fact, just got off the deck with Tony Hawk. Uh-oh. Like week before. He's part of Tony Hawk's handpicks Legends crew. So we're talking royalty. Look, Al, I'm going to have to have Mike on the show down the road, but got to talk to you first because everybody needs to know more about Four Down, the skate park mm-hmm. in South Dallas. But before we go any further, the Rangers mm-hmm. just won the World Series, and everybody's been going crazy all week long. I mean, this has just been an incredible right. ride. And I'm only bringing it up because you were saying to me just a little while ago, man, this is kind of parallel, and they're kind of first time mm-hmm. ever winning the World Series and how they had to go through all this. It's kind of paralleling what we're going through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, so, so much of what we're about is, is about, so it's a concept like resilience 2.0, right? Yeah. Meaning that under stress and duress, we actually go stronger and, and, and get better. So it's that mama mentality. So think about, 
for instance, Eovaldi on the on the mound and mm-hmm. getting better with pitchers in, in with uh with runners in scoring position, right? Actually playing better under duress and mm-hmm. stress, right? Think about our guys that were, you know, facing, you know, being down, let's say say game one, down by two in the ninth inning. And you know, I mean, as a fan, you're somewhat comforted because you have reasons for hope. And, yeah. and I guess the thing that I'm talking about here is we're trying to redefine hope a little bit in the sense that it's the it's the notion that what's possible can outperform what's most probable, right? right? So you know it's not likely that you hit that two-run game-tying hit, but Seager's going to do it. Why? Because he's got that magic. And I guess what, what we're doing at Four Down is we're trying to say, like, if we get involved and we really apply ourselves as humans and do anything close to reaching our potential, then we have the opportunity to save what really is in peril right now in terms of our own humanity, mm-hmm. the environment, the planet, and in fact, our own democracy that that we're so lucky to have. So, yeah, man, I mean, that's a lot of a lot of parallels. You know, there's a lot of parallels and a lot of people excited about the Texas Rangers. But again, I'm talking to you about the skate park, but it's so many mm-hmm. parallels. We're going to keep going. And I'm telling you, it's going to yeah. have all these because I just think you're just a fascinating person anyway. And the fact that this skate park has become more than just a mecca for skaters. Can you talk about how? You guys decided, you and Mike decided to build this thing in South Dallas of all locations. Mm-hmm. Well, that well, the location is simple. It's it's the location we could afford. Right? <laughs> I, I mean, hear you. you know, yeah. Neither, neither was rolling in dough. And we really did this all on our own entirely for many of the, you know, we've been kind of working on this concept since like 2007 or eight or so and found ourselves on our own by 2014. And then by 2015, eventually became an official 501c3, but all along the way and up until very recent years, we've been entirely self-funded. So South Dallas is, is the part of town we could afford, to be quite honest. And everybody and, uh, found the park that needed to, to skate somewhere, right? Man, they found it without us ever trying to trying to advertise. I mean, we to be honest, we definitely, we set something up. To be honest, man, we just set something up to feel better mm-hmm. ourselves. We needed a refuge and some sort of a sanctuary for ourselves in terms of like a professional skateboarding environment. And every time we turned around, it was just incredible. The needs of the community, starting with the skate community, but it quickly, um, quickly, you know, grew way past that. Let's start. Let's start with the skate community because it's a un- mm-hmm. it's a unique group. It's guys and girls, certain age mm-hmm. group. You're athletic, and you mm-hmm. actually, I, I, I've talked to skaters before. This you find peace skating, and can you, can you mm-hmm. talk about how you guys kind of click and bond and communicate, and everybody says, "Whoa, this is this is where we hang out." Right. Well, I mean, what you'll find in skating is that, you know, there, there really isn't um, co- um, competition, so to speak. Right. right. The competition is within yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is you're vibing with other people that are around you if you're not skating by yourself. So it's, it's a collaborative thing, almost like a pickup game. You're playing with people you never met before, but or say you're having a jam session as a musician or you're dancing, whatever. Like these are all expressions. Right. So mm-hmm. in that sense, skateboarding is more of a practice and an art. Yeah. And a lifestyle than it is a competitive sport. I mean, you can put it into a competitive paradigm, but you could do the same for hot dog eating, right? Sure. So <laughs> on Fourth of July. <laughs> 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 but if you look at the Olympics, for instance, I mean, like we entered the Olympics in the last go around, and um, by far was the most popular thing there. I counted 14 separate corporate uh advertisers on, you know, during the Olympics. And you know those ads aren't cheap, right? Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. 
they aren't wasting their money, man. And I mean, just goes to show that skateboarding is very, very influential. And how did it spread beyond, like you said, the skaters right there in South Dallas? Because again, mm-hmm. you guys are a nonprofit, but you've become an mm-hmm. oasis. It's like, wait a minute. You found out you could do more <laughs> than just be a place where everybody can skate and be artistic about it. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate you you endeavoring to to find out about that because again, we don't do the best job of communicating or, or waving <laughs> flags. Mm-hmm. But um, but there's t- there's tends to be a natural gravity to a uh, to a community and a culture that's built around values and attitudes that we have that we take from international and pro level skateboarding. But it's not exclusive to us. And and so what I've what I've been overjoyed to find is that the culture is so much more important and impactful than a lot of the acts that we get into. And, and when I say that, I mean it's a culture and community that's really built around values and attitudes. Like, for instance, we like to take action, right? Yeah. We're natural ingenuity. Like, we're tough, we're resilient. Like I said, anti-fragile, right? Mm-hmm. And we're naturally inclusive. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, maybe you could say a healthy skepticism for authority, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to... Just we're enough. Gonna, we're going to challenge, you know, the yeah. status quo. We're, ask questions and we're gonna you know we're not afraid of uh if we're not afraid of hurting ourselves on our skateboard we're certainly not afraid of trying right and Mm -hmm. i think we're in a world where it's almost like not cool to try anymore and we're sitting here busting our butts like we're not afraid to try right you mentioned uh busting your butt and not afraid Mm -hmm. to get hurt skateboarding is not easy i'm I'm diversing a little bit we'll swing back Mm -hmm. around to how you guys help so many people but Skateboarding is not easy because a lot of people watch it and they're in awe because (laughs) you guys could get hurt real easily. And a lot of guys (laughs) do break their bones or girls, too. Can you talk about um, skating and how what you guys do is not just going down the sidewalk? Right, right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, again, you're only competing with yourself and you're going to take it to whatever level you want to take it. In any given moment, you might feel some kind of way. And the only barrier between you and, and, and that way is, is the barrier you put on yourself or, you know, whatever restrictions you perceive. And so, um, you know, I, we're again, we're into challenging a lot of that sort of stuff. You OK, know? how many bones have you broken? <laughs> <laughs> we got to people. Well, I'm asking the question that people want to know. <laughs> I mean, you got to you got to understand I'm 50, right? I'm about to be 50. Me and Crom and, and our other uh, board member, Kareem Campbell, another mm-hmm. Hall of Famer such as yourself, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're about to be 50. So we all been skating about 38 years or so. That's a lot of years. A lot of bones. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to be honest, you know, I mean, but I'm not really big on going to the doctor. So I just usually push them back together. I got strap you. Them up. It's, well, like, it's like basketball later, players right. breaking fingers. They break a finger. You just keep playing. I mean, what are you going to do? Not play? Mm-hmm. Come on. Exactly. Come on. So, <laughs> so how were you when you first started skating? Um, I was about 12 years old. That tends to be a, a age that attracts a lot of folks. And to this day, I would say 12 to 25 is probably 70% of, of who we see in the skate community. Mm-hmm. And usually, you know, you, you start out skating on a sidewalk and then all of a sudden you're doing ramps, right? Well, you know, there's different arts. Like, you know, um, you think about music, there's hip hop, there's mm-hmm. rock, there's classic, there's all mm-hmm. these different genres right within it. Same thing for skating. Um, I'm a part of the first, um, the first generation of what was called street skaters, right? So mm-hmm. to us, we didn't have skate parks. Every street and everything that wasn't built for skating became our skate park. So we naturally live in a world in which we interpret it through different lens, through a lens of opportunity, through a lens of 
I know it wasn't designed for my purposes, but I'm still going to find a way of, of making my purposes happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, skate park is the opposite of that. It's a, it's an environment that's designed to optimize skateboarding, you know? Um, so, you know, the kind of skateboarding you produce is going to be relative to the kind of skateboard park you design. And in our case at four down, because Mike Crum is a world famous prodigy of vertical skating, uh, vertical skating being the kind of skating that Tony Hawk does, right? Oh, vertical yeah. ramp. You fly. fly. You fly. Yeah, straight down. Right. So it's like the human trapeze, right? Mm-hmm. It's a skateboarding tag. But um, you got skate parks all over the country. What you don't have is professional vert ramps because they're extremely rare. They're fairly dangerous. And, and while, you know, cities and counties, they do build skate parks, they don't build professional vert ramp so what we have is the equivalent of for instance like imagine if dirk just had his own private pro like basketball court and was like any given day the kids off the street could just walk up and play with dirk it's <laughs> like that they yeah. walk up ate the ramp with mike crumb and his professional vert ramp that mm-hmm. like x game gold medalist in the current um olympic gold medal, you know mm-hmm. and legends they've all been on this ramp and they'll they'll, they'll be there with you too and you won't even know the difference because it's skating and we're cool like that. We're mm-hmm. not, you know, we don't really have this crazy hierarchy. I, I love, like I said, I love the entire thing, what you're doing. And again, it is begat where you guys have become a part of the community, part of the culture there. And part of that community and culture is there are people, not just kids who, 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 who ride skates, you know, who are right. on skateboards, who actually go hungry sometimes that they aren't oh, yeah. they don't have the either access to food or access to quality food can you talk about how you know four down has partnered with a lot of different organizations there right to help people who need food right right well exactly that so man where do you even start on this one okay, just just say how, start- hey just tell me how it first started how all of a sudden you either noticed there was a need to Right. People could hang out there and get something to eat or just how did it begin? Okay. Well, that's quite simple. First of all, I'm always hungry. <laughs> that's where it starts. <laughs> that's because you're an athlete. <laughs> Starts with the desire for, you know, Crum and I to have a sanctuary and, a, and a, a place to feel safe for ourselves. Same thing goes like when we're there, I mean, I'm hungry. What do I like? I like food. I like art. I like music. I mm-hmm. like creativity. So those are the th- kind of things we surrounded ourselves with. And then once we started, pretty much opening for free because we tried to initially charge like five bucks for, for the kids to get in to just help us pay with bills. Right. Mm-hmm. And we started to notice like literally there was kids coming up their shoes in a bag cause they're running on a rainy day all the way from the dart and they don't want to get their skate shoes wet. Right. Cause then your board is wet. Mm-hmm. So they got their barefoot wet and got a, and got their socks full of like change. And mm-hmm. we're really, I mean, are we really going to take this change from these young kids? Mm-hmm. That's the same change they need to find something to eat, mm-hmm. to either pay the dart or not. I'm not going to comment on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wink, wink, <laughs> nod, nod. Do, right? I mean, they don't have the resources, and that was sort of the point. So we realized, like, first of all, we can't charge them to be there, you know. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, like, they're hungry the same way we were hungry. And when I was that age, I was hungry, too. And I was having to make all kind of wild decisions. Um and to divide, you know, how am I going to divide my resources? Because I got mo- too much time and too much hunger and too much whatever for my money. <laughs> so mm-hmm. how do I divide this money? Because my needs exceed what my money is, right? And we can certainly relate to that. And so that's kind of where it all started. But then when you get into that, you start to see, and, and those of us, you know, 
that are old enough now, especially the way the culture has gone, the prevalent culture, mm-hmm. has gone to sort of understand there's a heavy, heavy connection between the quality of the food that you're consuming and the uh, quality of life that you're having, right? But what if you don't have access to decent food? Now, what we're running into now is the concept of a food desert, which I didn't define. The USDA defines that. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, Dallas has one of the largest food deserts in the country, practically all of everything below below 30, practically, with with, women, to be honest. And uh, without getting into the systemic or institutionalized reasons for that, we find ourselves in that situation. And our question is, what do we do about it? Well, a few years later, that's evolved quite a bit. You know, because as skaters, we're always going to try to go bigger, better, further, faster with everything we do. So you get into this sort of thing. And before you know it, we don't know anything. And then we go from there to, you know, I got professors from SMU or A&M like texting me and, you know, community leaders and mm-hmm. others that are experts. But we didn't have to be experts. We just got with experts, whether it's, you know, Oak Cliff Veggie Project and our friends there with, um, you know, Plez, Plez mm-hmm. Senior and uh, mm-hmm. and his mother, Miss Beth and others. And so many that helped us learn and grow and and that we still work with today. It's amazing because again, you, you've taken a place where everybody's hanging out, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and you're taking care of them too. And the next thing you know, all kinds of people are saying, you know what, you're a a really good location. Everybody knows Mm -hmm. where to go. And it's kind of grown from there. Can you, can you tell us a couple of stories about how it's kind of grown and, and how, you know, like you say, you started getting some texts and then all of a sudden people started partnering up with you. Right. Well, it's a really good question. And it just it's just one of those things where if you're consistent and you're open and you're willing to be helpful, which those are things anybody can be. Right. You don't have to mm-hmm. be especially. talented. It's just in, in fact, you don't really have to be talented at all. And I think we're kind of proof of that. We, we're not talented in the food space, but we're tenacious mm-hmm. and we're consistent, we're committed. So over time, just amazing things have happened. And I'll, I'll, I'll say we started off working with a couple of different groups, um, some that are focused on food cultivation, like restorative farms, big text farms, other friends that we have, uh, Joppy Mamas, Kim High down there and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's others that focus on food rescue. And what, here's something that's astonishing. When you come to find out that roughly 40 percent of the, all the food in America goes to waste, that's incredible, right? Yeah. Like that's astounding, right? Yeah. Like doesn't that sideways? Like doesn't that really hurt you in the heart? So it does. And the- you know what? I I, th- I think sometimes I'm like, what do the grocery stores do if the food starts getting old, or what do the restaurants do when right. the food starts getting old? Right, right. So, so there's a lot of reasons for that, and you think about it. So t- let's go back to health for one second as well, because you think about it. The healthiest food, right? Mm-hmm. The food that your grandmother would recognize, in other words, mm-hmm. like whole foods, that's going to be your most perishable foods for the most part. Right, right. right. So what that means is healthy food has the most limited shelf life, right? Mm-hmm. And has to be in the, in the most expensive environments. In other words, a cold storage optimal environment for healthy foods. Well, what if there's an 18 wheeler sitting out there with the same food you got on your cold storage shelf right now, and it's going to last for two weeks, but the food you have on your shelf is only going to last for, say, three to five days? Well, you're going to throw that away to make room for the stuff that's outside because there's only so much cold storage capacity, mm-hmm. which is why one of the first things that we did when we recognized this was say, okay, the same guys who build a skate park can build some cold storage facilities, right? Mm-hmm. And so now we have a 40-foot-long cold storage container built out of a shipping container, right? Again reuse repurpose recycle that kind of vibe it's like 
the world is filled with these shipping containers. What can we do with them? There's more than enough, right? Yeah. So, so you know, you get kind of clever, and before you know it, we used uh, some sort of little hack that uh, Plez from OCVP knew about called a coal bot. And before you know it, we've hacked a, <laughs> a coal bot. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's like a computer hack that you put on an AC unit that mm. takes it down to 40 degrees, right? Check out. So we, so we built, you know, the, the skate park guys built the cold storage container. Mm-hmm. Pleasanton helped us figure out the, the refrigeration. Boom. And then it's up and running. Although now I will say we're amidst a $20,000 sort of like renovation for the refrigeration because mm-hmm. we do want to get it really up to heavy duty standards now that we're really rocking and rolling like seven days a week with the thing. Teresa Tamenia and her team, who is our uh, director of uh, outreach and programming, tremendous job, her and her team. Because, I mean, you, any given day we get the call, oh, there's some food to rescue, boom, they're on it. And it's going to be in that cold storage constant, container. But we do need it to be renovated, and that's something we're trying to raise money for right now. So talk about some of the people who show up for the food. I, I'm, I know it's the kids, but there's got to be families, too, and individuals oh, who yeah. may or may not be homeless. Yes, all, all those things, all those things you just described. Mm-hmm. But we're also dealing with a vast food desert, right? Right. And within the in South Dallas, think of all the sub-communities that exist. Now, we don't have time to, to meet all of them and to gain their trust. And let's face it, there's been some previous sort of political oh, stuff that makes yeah. less trustworthy. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they've learned historically, like, you know, be careful who you trust, right? Exactly. So, as an example, when we when we help folks, we don't collect all their data, nor do we ever give that data out, right? right. That means we're missing money. We don't get any money from the federal government at all or from mm-hmm. the government at all, period. All the money that we get is from like cool guy sponsorships and, and basically super cool donors who decide to help us. But we don't collect their data because we're protecting them. We're trying to help them in the most vulnerable communities or who, here, who we are here to serve. Right. Mm-hmm. So we can't we can't we can't be on our mission and protect them, help them. And at the same time, um, be exposing them to God knows what. Exactly. And, and so, again, they find out about you or you. Fi- I mean, how did how did the word spread besides just the skaters who were showing up with the kids coming off the dark right. buses? Well, you know, at first it was through a few different partners we used to work with that have kind of gone their own ways. But they were experts in what they do, food rescue, distribution, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we sort of made a name for ourselves. And then again, Teresa, Teresa Tumenia is just an incredible human. Um, I hope you get a chance to meet her if you don't know her already. And um, the volunteer group that, that she put together and continues to grow because it's what's so cool, man, is that, you know, in the same way that you see insanity is has got a well, you know, COVID was, for instance, contagious. Right. Right. In the same way. We can see on the Internet and through other means of information exchange that bad ideas are contagious. Oh, yeah. Right? Misinformation. Oh, yeah. But but I mean, look what they result in crazy insurrections mm-hmm. and things like that mm-hmm. based on bad information. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Can we not use those same means to attract good behavior? Sure. And, and better behavior and, and better congregations mm-hmm. and communities? Certainly we can. If we can hack ourselves for bad, we can hack ourselves for good. And that's kind of the way that that I feel like that we do have a growing, growing community that continues to grow. And I mean, look what happened. I don't even, I don't even know you somehow another email me and want to talk. I mean, yeah. this is amazing. I get a chance to talk with a hall of famer. Why? Right after the the Rangers win <laughs> the know, world it, series. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. It, I mean, it, you incredible. know what it is? It's, it's the, it's the world of um, not just 
social media, but different kinds of media. And then you have influence. And again, you can use the influence for good or you can use it for bad. Or But, but it, it's about influence, about reaching out to people. And, and the way I look at it is there's different ways that people who are empathetic can find mm-hmm. out about each other. And one right. of the ways is, like I said, having you on the show, because I think the work well, that you're doing is so, so helpful, so impactful. And again, who would think that a skate park, four down skate park, shows up in South Dallas, and not only are the kids having a place where they can escape and have fun and and get their skills down, but all of a sudden it's become an oasis in a food desert. Who would have thought, yeah. right? Right. I mean, we are the only ones in the world doing this to put. You know, every, there's obviously groups that are doing pieces of this, but no sure. one's doing pieces, right? That we're doing. And it's just been a, a product of evolution, mm-hmm. you know, staying tenacious, staying resilient, staying consistent, staying committed. And then the, the attractive force of, of awesome people yeah, and, and the resources that they have that keep coming our way. And it's just sort of got a gravity to it. So, you know, what? Lucky it, to be it, yeah, you're lucky. You're, I'm, I'm just going to say this. When, when you're mm-hmm. empathetic, when people, when you do good things or people, I think in, people are inherently good people. If they're surrounded mm-hmm. by good other good people, you know, in other words, they're not treacherous if, if they're not surrounded by, tre- you know, treacherous people. So with that being said, I think what I you're doing culture, is that's what I'm trying to say is the key is the culture. Yeah. And ultimately what we're looking at, Chris, is a cultural paradigm shift. Yeah. What you just described on a larger scale, but it's got to start somewhere. And we, we're crazy enough to think that it might start with us and, and folks that are sympathetic to what we're doing. Exactly. I noticed that with Gen Z, not neither you nor I are Gen Z, but Gen Z, uh, that's what they're all about anyway. And right. who are a lot of the skateboarders nowadays? Gen Z or, or oh, kids yeah. who are creative. Anybody under the age of 25, they, they're looking at things a little bit mm-hmm. differently than, you know, oh, yeah. grandma and grandpa and everybody a little bit older. You know, they right. they do think they 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 utilize the technology and they they use it in a way that's helpful. That's the way they look at right. it first, because they want the right. world to be around, you know, 50 years right. from now. They want to enjoy the world the way we're doing it. Right. So that's the lesson that we, being in more of the middle generation, mm-hmm. can take from that. But at the same time, we need to counterbalance it from the toughness and the grit. And again, the anti-fragility of our grandparents who survived the Dust Bowl, right? Yeah. And so, so, so really the wisdom is going to be. And this is what's so beautiful about our culture, the skate culture in general, is that we're intergenerational. Yeah. Right. You're going to find someone that's 10 on the same skateboard ramp as someone that's down there 60 years. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But guess what? They're both struggling according to their own skill level or, or, you know, where they're at that given day. Right. Mm -hmm. But through that transcendent sort of behavior that bonds people together. Right. And so the same thing goes for our volunteers. They're waking up, they're showing up, they're doing whatever they have to do in whatever kind of weather, like last week was bad weather, right? Didn't stop a thing. Great weather's cool too. We'll take all of it. Uh-huh. But but I fragile. So for that younger generation, we appreciate what they're bringing to the game and the, and the lessons that they're giving us. And if anything, I think one of the things that we're trying to show them is don't be so fragile. You know what I mean? Get right. a little tougher. Right. Get off the tech out here, bust your butt a little bit, learn some lessons because there's something to be said for that too. There's a lot to be said for that. By the way, how did you guys come up with the with the name Four Down? Four D W N. Well, I appreciate that question. It's basically a metaphor about rolling forward, and it's something that Mike Crum came up with um, mm-hmm. when we were when we were doing this thing. 
you know, of course, we're used to being entrepreneurs and starting skateboarding companies and doing all those sort of things that we've done through the years. Um, and so you start racking your brain. What do we call this thing? And so he just he just texted me one time. Hey, let's call it four down. Just take out the O because like at the time it was kind of cool to do things like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still got the O and it's four DWN, but it's really about rolling forward. It's about you know, it does not matter what else is behind us, how long it took us to get here, what kind of effort we had. It does not matter how many times you tried. All that matters is stay focused on landing, rolling forward. And now we're rolling forward together. I love it. I love it. How can people partner with you, volunteer, hang out at the skate park? You guys got the website. Uh, what's the best way to reach you? And again, you never know who's listening to this show. They might be. <laughs> they might say, you know what? I want to do something with four down. <laughs> best way to reach us is probably holler at Chris Arnold because he found a way to reach me. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be to surprised. Be honest, <laughs> You'd be surprised. Say, oh, I was listening to the show and Chris was talking about four down with this guy named Rob Cahill. For real, man. No, that is true. Um, I mean, to be honest, we're not the easiest to, to get in touch with. I'm not for everybody. I mean, right. to be honest. Um, but, uh, you know, Teresa's a lot better. Mm-hmm. So you can reach her at Teresa at 4DWN.com. Our website is 4DWN.org. So it's a critical sort of difference you have to, uh, you know, one is .org and one is .com. The mm-hmm. emails are .com. But, you know, I'm Cahill at, at 4Down.com and, and Crum is 4Down.com, right? So that you can email us if you'd like to, and who knows, we'll get around to, to return them. <laughs> I mean, there's just too many emails, to be honest, man. Um, you know, we have social media. We have all the things that you guys could check us out. But, I mean, we do need help. We need we need volunteers. We need more resources. And to be honest, we need money. I mean, we're living in a world where we need money, to be honest. I mean, we've got an acre and a half outside. A quarter of it now, a half acre of it now, that is, is a is actually going to a full scale composting partnership that we have with Turn Compost. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like what we're doing shows a cooperation. Right. And a collaborative sort of nature. And it's it's going to be the key if if there is to be a, a history to be written, if we're not going to extinct ourselves sooner than later, then this is going to have to be the way humanity figures out how to deal with each other, man. I think you're on point. And we appreciate you being on the show, Rob. Rob Cahill with Four Down Skateboard Park in South Dallas, changing the game. And thank you all for joining us on Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. So long, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.